What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes, you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show, and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this on a glorious afternoon in Atlanta. The weather is pretty great. I don't know what the weather is like where it is that Nick is, but I hope it's as good as what it is right now. If I could record outside, I would. But that is not the case, so I am in the office recording. But anyway, Nick, it's been a little bit, man, and the stove is now hot. It's now, I was about to say cooking, and I was like, eh, cooking with grease, but it's it's hot. Um, it's, it's reasonably hot, I would say, yeah. Um, no no enthusiasm there with the, the what setting the stove is on right now. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, there's definitely something, obviously there's some things that have happened, um, but... There's still too many really good players out there for my taste. Um, really good above average players that somehow don't have jobs right now. Even outside of the Jake Arrietas or the, um, you know, the, uh, the Lance Lynn and Alex Cobbs of the world. Um, like it's weird to me that guys like Neil Walker and Jonathan Lucroy still don't have jobs like Logan Morris and Lucas Duda, um, like good, you know, well above average players that, uh, just, uh, haven't found gainful employment and it's really weird are you surprised at all that they're still uh available right now um if you told me like a couple months ago i would be surprised but at this rate i'm not no um i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if there are a few of these guys who don't have jobs on opening day um really who Who would you i mean uh, who do you feel confident about i'd be happy to prove them wrong of course but um like mike mistakis jumps out to me like i i i really don't see a market for him right now um, oh, well, the Braves are going to be trotting out some garbage at third base for a while. So I still think that is where he ends up. I still have the Mike Moustakis was meant to be a Brave at this point in his career. I mean, it makes sense, but I also think they want to leave playing time for Austin Riley because um, I mean, supposedly they really like him. 
Uh, and but he can't come up anytime soon, right? Aren't they going to keep him at least? We won't see him till he's a September call up, right? Um, well, let me think. I mean, it, it depends on how fast the, that he can, you think he can move. Um, yeah. And I mean, they have Camargo who they can, and Camargo's not necessarily gonna... bad. I, I, I don't think he's a bad player. Yeah. He's a really good utility guy, but I don't think he's an everyday third baseman. And they were trying out Adonis Garcia and other, uh, <laughs> fun options i i don't know i don't know what the market is for mustakas because if you look around the league like who else like todd frazier went to the mets so the third baseman spot there is filled i I don't really know where else he can go what makes sense for mustakas well one thought i had yesterday was um st louis perhaps if they want to move carpenter back to first put mustakas third have jose martinez and those guys come off the bench um i think that makes sense if they you know can get them at a price they like um so I, but like I think that's like the one team that like really works now. Now, now that uh, Brandon Drury's on the Yankees, um, I, yeah. I think I think that's that's the because uh, Drury's going to be the open day third baseman. Um, really? Yes, I, I, I would think so. Um, they probably huh. um, like they, they they like Andahar's bat, obviously, uh, but there's a bit of an open question about whether or not he's defensively ready. It, um, and Drury's natural position is third base, so being, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of talk. At least, all the indications in the media right now are that he's going to be the opening day third baseman. Um, and so maybe he becomes more of a super sub like he was in Arizona when uh, Andahar comes up and uh, Torres is at second. And so they can mix and match with him. Um, but they also might want to try and give every day at bats. Um, I, I, it's a good piece to have around this. I, I don't have a problem with the trade at all. Um, so uh, Moustakis is pretty much out of the question there now. So um, St. Louis is the one spot for me that jumped out when I was looking at death charts yesterday um, as a possible place for Moustakis. Um, Cause I mean, I don't know how much they really want to, you know, like, like, like Jose Martinez, you can live with him at first base, but if they really want yeah. something nice, um, I mean, Moustakis just makes their lineup that much a bit more longer. Um, it's a good left-handed bat. There aren't a whole lot of left-handed bats in the lineup right now. Carpenter's the only true mm-hmm. left-handed um, bat. Wong is lefty, but might be platooning with Jericho. Um, Fowler's a switch, obviously, but if you want to get another lefty in the lineup, it makes sense to put Moustakis there. He can certainly hold his own at the position. He hits well. Um, so it makes it's a good fit for, for me, um, especially because the Central's going to be so hard this year. Um so I mean that that that's where my that's where my thought went, but I, I just don't see where else you, um, people might pony up for maybe the White Sox perhaps, but I, I don't know if they want to give up draft picks right now. Yeah, the White Sox don't seem like a, uh, a realistic target for him, um, especially with how much talent they have coming up very soon, and I don't think they want Mustakas blocking anybody. Like he should be going to a contending team. I just like you said, I, I, St. Louis might be the best contending team for him to jump to right now. I don't. I don't really know who else. Like, you brought up the Yankees. I didn't realize that they were planning to start Brandon Jury. Like, that trade just happened, and I wonder if Cashman, that was his plan all along, to avoid adding a stopgap utility guy in the infield, and just he, he was looking at different guys like Jury to kind of solve that. Well, the, the quote that Not he really gave the, was I don't want to say that, dilemma, <laughs> but yeah, go the, ahead. The, the quote that he gave, actually, is that they've been targeting him for a couple of years now. Um, they really like really? They, they really like the player, and there, there's a lot to like there. He can play all over the place. Um, the bat is good, um, and there's a reasonable argument that it'll get better with with uh, consistent playing time at his natural position. Um, he apparently was working with JD Martinez, his hitting coach, over the winter, um, and Martinez was t- telling him to get the bat uh, to get his 
bat on the ball and away the ball go in the air more. Um, so, I mean, there, there's certainly more to be unlocked in the profile perhaps. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think it's a really good trade. He's cheap. He's got years of control. Um, he's not even ARB eligible yet. So it, it, it's a, it makes sense to me. Okay. Well, that's cool. Now we have that to watch out for because I was not expecting Drury to be an opening day starter. But the Yankees infield is going to be interesting, especially with what they do at second base, which is still a question mark right now. Where, like, before we jump into other stuff, like, where do you think? Who do you think is the opening day starter at second base for the Yankees? Um, it might be Tyler Wade, only if they because they want to keep Torres down for however many weeks need to keep him down to get the extra year control. Yeah. Um, because he's pretty much ready at this point. Um, and that's not the discount Tyler Wade, who I think is very good chance to be a pretty good player, uh, like as a super utility guy or, or even a starter. Um, uh, he's got great defensive utility. He can run. He can hit a little bit. Um, so that's that's not to knock Tyler Wade. There are lots of people really like Tyler Wade. It's like Glibertorius is Glibertorius. Um, yeah. And he's really... It sounds like a Camargo situation in Atlanta where it's like there's a lot of stuff to like about them, but you know that they're not a long-term solution at that spot. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but interesting. Um, so you wrote about J.D. Martinez, and I believe we've had conversations like dating because I feel like this winter has just gone on and on with the MLB free agency, and J.D. Martinez was just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there, and I, I think you and I shared the sentiment, which was, why are the Diamondbacks not doing everything they can to re-sign J.D. Martinez? Because J.D. Martinez and Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of your lineup, it turns out, is really good and it would have propelled them back to the playoffs. So why you wrote about this, tell the listeners why you were so confused and confounded as to why the Arizona Diamondbacks did not go all out to re-sign J.D. Martinez after they traded for him at the deadline last year and why he is a Red Sox and probably going to be great as a DH for them. Because he's really freaking good at baseball. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's simple as that, like, he has been a, a. If you want to go by WRC plus, which is a measure of of your hitting relative to the league average, um, JD Martinez has been a top five hitter in baseball since he broke out in 2014. Um, and the guys above him are. Joey we should Votto. also mention that he joins Paul Goldschmidt in that list. Yeah, well, no, actually, Goldie's not. The four guys above him are um, Trout, Stanton, Votto, and Harper. Um, oh, I thought Goldschmidt was in there. Maybe he's in. Is he close with uh, OPS Plus? Maybe that's it. It, it, might, it might be that. Close. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's the company he keeps on offense. Obviously, he's not a uh, big defensive guy, but you can live with that when he hits the way he does. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, especially with the Diamondbacks, um, I mean, you can talk about years and money and all you want, but the Diamondbacks only have so many shots at this. Um, their window probably starts to close if not closes entirely in two years um given the state of their farm system that's when paul goldschmidt's going to be a free agent aj pollock is a free agent after this year um and you know given the way that ken kendrick has you know basically stated his philosophy on spending money um i don't know how much they're going to pay to bring all those guys back and then like i said their, their farm system is leaves a lot to be desired there's really a lot of impact talent close to the majors um, so this is it. This is what they got. Um, and so, so we I, should say what his stats were in 2017. He batted 303. Uh, like, I'll just go ahead and give you a slash 303, 376, 690. And then he had 45 dingers and a 166 OPS plus. 
and short, like you said, he's really good at hitting the baseball. He's really good. Yeah, um, he's one of the preeminent hitters in the game right now. Um, and that's probably a guy you want to have in your lineup if you have him in your uniform already and you're trying to contend and go for the World Series. So, I don't know. That that that, that was my feeling on the matter. Um, is that bringing back J.D. Martinez is probably a no-brainer. Um, and, but he's in Boston now. Um, and you, they certainly needed a DH in their lineup um, as well. So, I mean, the, the signing makes sense for them. I, I, I get why Red, the Red Sox went and did that. They, they needed more stuff in their lineup. Yeah, and they got him for cheaper than what Boras was uh, pushing for because I think he all offseason was expecting a $200-plus million deal for him. Well, I, 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 I think that was a bargaining position, not the actual expected yeah. offer. I mean, let, 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 let's, be, let's be real here. No, I don't think Scott Boras actually anticipated $20 million for J.D. Martinez, that's where you start and you negotiate down. Do you think he anticipated 110? Because his deal he ended up getting is a five-year, $110 million contract. That's significantly lower than $200 million. <laughs> um, I, I would yeah, assume that, I, like I, you I, said, it's a bargaining chip, but higher I, than 110. I, I had like 160 in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was where I had him, and maybe another year, maybe not. Um, I yeah. think he gets a little bit of value back because there's two opt-outs in the deal. There's one after the second year, one after the third deal. It's also, yes, it's also front-loaded. Um, mm-hmm. So he gets a lot of the money up front, and then he can opt-out if he wants. Um, my thing is the opt-outs aren't as valuable as they might be for some other contracts. Like I think the Justin Upton opt-outs are probably more, more valuable than these. Given uh, JD When you say and, more valuable to the team or the player? To the player. Um, okay. Given his injury history and the fact that he's going to be 31 this year. So... Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you really want to opt out? Especially given the, the current, you know, free agent climate, do you really want to opt out as a 33 or 34 year old DH um, and leave the money on the table? Um, yeah, and his opt out year, I think it goes from like 23 million per to 19 million after that opt out year. So he would be taking a pay cut, but depending yeah, on how so, he does so the, these next two years in Boston. Out, well, yeah, like you'd have to be really, really, really good. And if you're really, really, really good for the next few years, and then you feel you can get more money than you already have on your contract by opting out, then that's why you opt out. I just don't know if it's going to yeah. be worth it for him. So I, I think I think there's some risk there. So I don't know how much the opt-outs are actually of value um, compared to the opt-out like the one that Justin Upper had on the table this winter and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I obviously $110 million is great. I just expected more. Um and I think that's certainly a price that the Diamondbacks could have beat. Yeah, it's this just seems like one of those things where if I'm a Diamondbacks fan, I'm pulling my hair out over this situation, and they're going to be going in with Jared Dyson and just well, they go in with Stephen Souza, which I which I will say. It, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, obviously Stephen Souza is not JD Martinez. JD Martinez, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's coming off a pretty darn good year, thirty homers, some steals, um. It was like a four point two option. Yeah, he was cheaper. And then there, there it is. Um, so and that's it, the narrative. That's like the thing we have to keep in mind is like that's the reason Steven Souza and Jared Dyson are Diamondbacks right now, and JD Martinez is not. It's because they took the cheaper route. Well, uh, to, to, and again, to be fair, if Steven Souza can put out another four win season, and they they get you know the two wins that Dyson put up with his defense and his speed and and all that, then then yeah, that that's that's a good mix, I and mean, you can certainly squeeze and die out of that but if you had if you, if you could give me a choice between 
Stephen Tews and Gerard Dyson or J.D. Martinez, I'm, I'm probably taking J.D. Martinez. Um, yeah. That being said, I don't hate – like in a vacuum, if, if we're not talking about bringing J.D. Martinez back and J.D. Martinez was never on the Diamondbacks, I don't hate what the Diamondbacks have done. I just think that they really probably should have went and got J.D. Martinez. And we should point out from the Red Sox perspective, they were last in the AL last year in home runs. And J.D. Martinez hit a lot of home runs, especially in the second half with Arizona. So it was just such a logical move for Dave oh, absolutely. to make. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm not trying and, to say that like the Red Sox stole him from... Oh, no, we, from, we're just from, focusing on the Dynamax and like, why they should have signed them. But this was still a perfect signing for the Red Sox. Like, he can slide into the DH role. They can move Hanley back to first and everything. Like... They re-signed Mitch Moreland, so they were out of the Eric Hosmer sweepstakes, which was probably good for them because if it was going to take an eight-year deal, that would not have made any sense. So it seems like the best-case scenario for the Red Sox, and it's just kind of like a eh situation if you're a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah. Um, like I know a couple of Diamondbacks fans who were disappointed they didn't get Martinez, but again, they, they don't hate them, the trades that they made. Um, it's just, you know, it's that's more pressure on... Goldschmidt and Pollock and Sousa and those guys to, to really perform. Um, and yeah. Why, why do you think it's taking so long though for this Martinez deal to become official? Because I saw NBC Boston. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to speculate that it's a too much logistical on hold up. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Cause I, I'm, I, I don't I, know if it's enough because you've seen like different things with like, <laughs> this is where we are with sports is like people were tracking of like how many days were between like a signing or a deal and the press conference so there was like i was looking up like uh some of their big ones like david price and things like that like th- there was david price i think had the longest delay and it was like three days and this is we're, we're going on two days and there's been speculation i think a big boston sports columnist uh dan o'shaughnessy was tweeting out like kind of just raising his eyebrows at the fact that the red sox have not called a press conference yet for the martinez deal and the announcement that he is their new dh but I do wonder if there's anything to that. I, I would assume no, but I, like what, what happens if he does fail the physical or there's something we well, don't then, know about? Like, well, then, then what happens happens. Um, I mean, one, one thing I saw from Evan Drellick was that it's possible that they're trying to take out insurance by contract. And that certainly takes, mm. takes time. Um, and you know, if that's what they're trying to do. And that's what they're trying to do. That's, that's fine. That's, that's their right to do that. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't really want to get into speculation on medical stuff too much because I'm seriously not yeah. a doctor and I don't, I, I just, I, I don't want to get into that. So do you think this ultimately will be a good move for the Red Sox or no? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see the downside here. It's a pretty good contract yeah. from their standpoint. Um, I mean, it, there's a bit of a weird playing time situation with Hanley and, and Moreland, but, um, that, that's a very small price to pay for, getting J.D. Martinez to be a DH. So, yeah, it's, it's a good deal for them. So, good deal. Things are still, like, as hard as we've been on the Diamondbacks, they're still probably going to be pretty good um, as the dog in my house is losing its mind. Um, the Rays and Marlins, things are not going as well for the Florida baseball teams as they have been going for the Boston Red Sox and the Arizona Diamondbacks. You wrote about this. I tweeted about this. Like just thinking about <laughs> how many games a team that was combined with the 2018 Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays, how many they would actually win? What would that roster look like? You wrote about this. What did you find when you thought about you just mapped this out of what this team would look like if we combined 
the Marlins and the Rays. Yeah, I, I didn't run any projections or anything. I, di- I didn't look at yeah, you know, war or anything. I, I just try to put together a lineup basically. Um, I mean, it's it's not a it wouldn't be great. Um, there's no real impact hitter. The defense would probably be actually pretty darn good. Um, the pitching staff wouldn't be bad at all. Um, and that was before they went and traded for Daniel Hudson. So I don't know if he would actually make the bullpen or not, but that's another option for them. Um, yeah, I, 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 it wouldn't be a great team. It would probably be something akin to like, I don't know. Uh, this is a very rough projection. Um, uh, they probably like a bit better than the 2017 Phillies before Hoskins came up, something like that. Um, oh, <laughs> that is, we need to go ahead and point out the 2017 Phillies were terrible. And we're talking about combining two major league rosters and well, still like, coming I, out close. I, I, That's I, so maybe, bad. Maybe not the 2017 Phillies. Like I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, I mean, like, like, that's okay, still, so like, like the fact that that's close is ridiculous. Well, it, 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 Let's put it this way. They, like I said, they probably have a pretty good pitching staff between the rotation and yeah. and the bullpen. Um, like the, the 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 rotation wouldn't be great. Like I think it was Archer, Straley, Snell, uh, Faria, and Honeywell before Honeywell tore his UCL. Of course, I was gonna say yeah, he tore his UCL. Um, and then so and the bullpen was actually not bad. It was Colomay, um, Barraclaw, Ziegler, Steckenrider. Um, Jennings and Anthony Banda, who they just got in the trade. Um, and they've got depth with Valdi and Andres and those guys. Um, it's just, the, 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 the lineup wasn't overwhelmingly great. Like, the best hitters on the team are, like, Justin Bohr and Starlin Castro and JT Realmuto. Um, with, oh, my God. You know, Gomez there, too. So, yeah, they, they're not going to hit very well. They would, have, they would have a very good defense, it should be said. Because um, Realmuto is one of the better defensive catchers in the game. Um, they've got a Danny Hatcheria. The outfield would be insanely athletic. Well, are we sure that JD real? <laughs> like, are we sure JD's going to still be on this team three months from now? Well, no. I, I was just going off the rosters as they were currently. Structured. Yeah, what they are right now. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so Remington's a great catcher. Hatcheria is a great shortstop. Um, who they have at third base? It was Duffy, so it doesn't really matter for the defense. Um, but the outfield. I was going to say, it wouldn't be the Rays without Evan Longoria. So I don't even know who the Rays starting third baseman is. It's right Matt now. Duffy. Um, Matt Duffy, there you go. Uh, but the outfield would be um, Carlos Gomez, Lewis Brinson, I put in the starting lineup, um, and then Kevin Kiermeyer. So it would be probably the best defensive mm-hmm. outfield, outfield in the game. Um, and even if you even but like even like right now the Rays might have like the best fast outfield in the game because they don't have Lewis Brinson but they do have Malik Smith. Um, so with Gomez, Smith, and Kiermaier, that's a very good defensive outfield. Um, so yeah. they probably would get a lot of value out of their pitching and defense. It's just the offense would not be there. Um, so yeah, I mean they'd probably be a decent team. I think I had them topped out at like a three wins maybe at the most. That was just a very rough conjecture. Okay, that's fair enough. How big of an issue do you think the Brent Honeywell injury is going to be for the I mean, it's, 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 I mean, for the, I mean, for the 20, 20, for 2018 raise, I mean, it's, it's honestly nothing. I mean, they were going to suck either way. Um, but it still sucks because he was a top 15 prospect. Overall. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, and, it's, like it's I a, wanted to see him. Yeah, we all yeah, wanted to see him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a blow to the fans. It's a, it's a blow. It's more of a blow to morale than whatever morale was left. Um, yeah, 
I mean, you, you want to see Brent Honeywell. You want to see him pitch. He probably sh- could have and should have been up last year. Um, they held him down for obvious reasons. Um, and now yeah. they're going to a four-man rotation. So that well, I, the, the, the four-man thing is overblown um, because I, I, you know there are a few teams who do that in April just because of the way the off days are structured. You don't really need a fifth mm-hmm. starter, so it allows you to carry a spare reliever for a little while. Um, it allows you to, to to space out your guys' rest a bit more, um, like the Yankees did the last year, and they've done it a couple times recently. Um, that that that's overblown. I mean, yeah, yes, it, it was a it was a way, it's a way to screw with Honeywell's service time. Um, and get that extra year out of them potentially, but also yeah. it, it, it's it's a, a a lot of a thing that's not uncommon in the game that teams will do um, just to to carry a spare leader for a little while. Um, I, I I don't want to kill them too much for that. There are plenty of things to kill the race for. I'm not going to kill them for that. Okay, but either way, I wonder if this also changes their thought process on what they're going to do with Chris Archer because now they don't have Honeywell just sitting there waiting in the wings like can they even afford to trade Archer at this point? I mean, yeah, why not? Um, I mean, well, I mean, Kiermaier, not happy about the off-season moves. By the well, he's going to get so traded at some point, When you talk about too. morale... Wait, say it again? Kiermaier's going to get traded at some point, too. Yeah, I guess. Would you trade Archer if you're the race GM right now? <sighs> I mean, I would have done anything. Or would you wait till the but, summer? I mean, it depends on offers. Um, like, let, let's let say Milwaukee's going to Jake Arietta. Let's say they miss out on Arietta. They don't want to go for Cobb or Lynn because they want, like, a serious front-line starter. Um, yeah. And so they want Archer for the full season, so maybe they try and pony up for him. Uh, or, or, maybe, or maybe the Twins do that, or... Um, you know, I don't, uh, I mean, I the Twins, I feel like they've changed the drip. Like, I think they were kind of just dipping their toes in without the full intention of signing like the U Darvish or Jake Arrieta's, you know, just saying, oh, we're, t- we're working hard. We're showing our fans that we're going for it. And then they ended up trading for Jake Ordi- Odorizzi. And I-, I think that was their plan all along is to just get a couple of back end starters to. Well, you know, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the current word on the street is that they are looking at Lance Lynn. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> who feels very twinsy. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, they didn't pitching. I mean, they even even without Santana getting hurt and missing like six weeks or whatever. Um, like they need pitching. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Anthopoulos calls the race and gets more anxious about Chris Archer. Um, maybe the I Braves have too the, many the, starting the, pitchers. The Rays are going right to be asking after like Boba Shet or something. Um, like obviously they're mm-hmm. going to talk about Vladito and get quickly shot down, but I mean I could see Bobuchet thing coming up there. I don't think they want to give up Bobuchet. Um They certainly have prospects to deal, but I don't know if I don't know if the the uh, Blue Jays are in the business of doing that right now. Um, maybe no, not the Blue Jays. The 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 Braves. Alex Anthopoulos. Is oh the God, Braves that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hear Anthopoulos. I I think Blue Jays. Um, I know, but he was even with the Blue Jays last. He was in the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the Braves Nick certainly make sense. Friday afternoon. Uh, this is fun. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just I, I, name association. Um, no, yeah, the Braves do make sense there, actually. Um, I could see them doing that. I could see the Phillies doing it, perhaps. I, I could see, um, obviously, the Dodgers. The Dodgers the are weird. We're going to get into them in a little bit. Dodgers, after not getting Darvish back, and 
I wonder if Darvish, I mean, uh, not Darvish, but uh, Arietta ends up in LA. They've gotten quiet. Maybe they don't want to spend money anytime soon. They're they're like yeah. bumping right against the tax right now. Um, so I don't I don't know if they want to go get Arietta. They're probably not going to sign a free agent. I think because Archer's cost controlled, and they would probably find a way to send some money back to Tampa. Um, if Tampa is in the business of taking money right now, um, yeah. Uh, so them, um, maybe the Rockies. Um, you want to get a little Ooh. funky. Uh, they certainly got the prospects to do it and they need pitching. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly a market to be there. Um, uh, I don't, I don't Mm. know if the Rays would move them within divisions to the Yankees. Um, I could see, I mean, if you really want to talk about like who should be doing it, it's, it's Cleveland. Um, I don't know if they will, but, uh, cause they have like no pitching depth. Um, so just yeah, bumping in, they should be getting they, there should be a real sense of urgency in Cleveland because we're in the last year or two of them really contending because the White Sox. I don't know about that. I, I, I think get, they can sustain. They're you think young. so? I'm not, a twi- I'm not an Indians five years from now believer. I don't know about five years from now, but I think they've got like three or four. Um, they're young. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. I think it's really hard to stay on top like that and to go through their postseason situation that they have. I I don't know. I'm pretty high on the White Sox future, and I think we're going to see a lot of what the... I think the White Sox are going to get pretty aggressive sooner rather than later, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, I would... The Indians, I think, uh, they're, in, they're just close, and I want to see teams that are that close go all out, and I think they have another move or two up their sleeve, but we'll see. Do you think it was a good idea that the Rays signed Gomez? We talked about him to when you. It was so stupid. I mean, okay, <laughs> so 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 you DFA Dickerson so that you don't have to pay him the money. Mm-hmm. Let's let's combine that because that was like next on my list of like they DFA'd Corey Dickerson, who was an All Star in 2017 for the Rays, is now a Pittsburgh Pirate. Which whatever, that's okay. But yeah, the, it. Uh, so so yeah, explain so, to so, us like why they did this. So they DFA Dickerson and they say, oh, it's to speed up the process of trading him. Well, no, no, guys. It's because you don't want to pay him the $5 million to DFA him before a certain date. You only have to pay him $1 million in severance pay. So they, they, they save $4 million that way. Then they sign Carlos Gomez for literally $4 million. Then they trade Dickerson to Pittsburgh for Daniel Hudson, who is making a certain amount of money, and they get $1 million back in the deals to make the deal, make the deal cash neutral. I don't get it. I don't get what the Rays are doing. I don't, I don't, I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, if you, besides, you know, the, you know, being cheap part of it, um, like, like there, there's some talk, like I, I like I saw Heyman's thing yesterday where they were talking about Palacios, the guy that got back for Odorizzi and they're saying, oh, Palacios is better than people give him credit for because it was a one for one thing for Odorizzi for Palacios. And like Palacios didn't even make the top 10 list on BP's uh, twins. West. I mean, he was he was mentioned below, but he wasn't a top ten guy. Like like Jermaine Palacios is not like a super big prospect. You know, even if you're going to say he's going to get bigger, I don't know where he was getting that from. Um, that sounds like it was coming out of the Rays. Not not, and I'm not trying to criticize John Heyman here. John Heyman's obviously great, um, but at that sounded like damage control to me. Um, I, I, just, I I don't I don't understand. Um, like there was a thing that uh, my my good friend Ryan Romano wrote for Beyond the Box for this week, um, and part of it was how the Rays put a very small percentage of their revenue into their roster, um, like rel- even relative to the rest of the league, like of the, of, of the percentage of their revenue that goes into the 
roster itself um, is very small. Um, and so, I mean, there's obviously, there's obviously a great deal of talent on the Rays. I mean, yeah, they, they've been stuck between like 77 and 81 games for the past four years, but it's because they don't invest in the roster. Um, they yeah. don't, they don't go out and, and make meaningful additions. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't get it. Um, New stadium the, though, apparently is on their works. Yeah. So, finally. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah. I mean, even even if they did get out of the trap, like, you sound like, frustrated uh, with the Rays. I feel like you're really. Who are you more mad at right now, the Rays or the Dimebacks? The Rays. <laughs> okay. Because, wow. Because I think I'm more upset at the Dimebacks because this just feels like the Dimebacks are trying for the Rays. I mean, they're kind of trying. They they are trying. I mean, I, I will give them credit. They they went out and made some interesting bullpen additions. They went out and got Sue's. They got Dyson. Like they're adding to the okay. roster. That's I, true. I, I get I get it. Um. Do I think they should have signed Martinez? Yes, but I, I can't knock them on saying, well, they went out and had a great season. Now they're not doing anything to, to build off. But they, they, they're, they're, they're doing something. Um, the Rays are, are just being cheap bastards. I think. And, <laughs> and, and I will say that, yes, I acknowledge that, the, that Tropicana Field is a big problem. It's hard to get to. Nobody wants to go through the traffic and the slog to get there and once you get there and also so, baseball in a dome is just terrible it is especially in that area and and, and the trophy itself is just depressing to look at yeah um but but that being said you can also knock the rays for not making substantial improvements to the to the stadium to make it not look depressing um and you know, give people more of a reason to, to get out of, to go through the traffic of the slot to get to traffic in a field. Cause once you get there, Oh wow, there's this great team on the field. The place doesn't look like a dump. It's, it's, it's very interesting. The race tank isn't full of, <laughs> of Ray poop. Um, cause every time I look at traffic in a field on TV, the tank looks disgusting. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Who just didn't the Dimex just do a, a weird addition too to their park? Some sort of water addition? Uh, they they did. They did. Thing. I mean, they they've had a pool for a while, but I I think that they they did something this offseason. I don't know. They did too. What, oh what oh oh! And on top teams, of like that, a, um, I, there was a fun bit over the last year where uh, the Rays were the Rays food facilities were found to be the least sanitary food facilities in baseball. <laughs> So yeah, we're so many Rays listeners from this discussion, but Rays fans should be annoyed. They should, they should be pissed be. off this they season. Should, they, for should them. Be, they should yeah. be furious. <laughs> and like this the thing is, is just, like there are Rays fans. Like the Rays actually do really well yeah. on television. They do really well on television, even when the team's not good. Well, because Tampa Bay is actually not a bad market. It's like, a great Tampa Bay, sports That's town. like the whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like if they just built a new stadium that was not a shithole. Like the drop, and you just put it in a good location. I think it'd be fine. People right, but, would go. But, but, It'd be okay. Yeah, and, and the location is a big problem. Like, trust me, I understand how big of a problem the location is. But at the same time, you're not you're not doing anything to give anybody to go out to the park at all. Like you, you like the park itself is a dump. Um, mm-hmm. And so, of course, nobody wants to get out through the traffic to go sit in a crappy stadium to watch a crappy team that the team doesn't invest in. We need to get Dick Vitale on because he's like a season ticket holder, and we need to get a. You and I can ask him and pick his brain. As it wasn't why he me, so but Dick Vitale has yelled at one of my friends on television on uh, Twitter before um, about race mm. stuff. I don't remember what happened, but like I have this distinct memory of that happening. It was really funny. 
<laughs> well, he's like the most notable Rays fan, I think, other than like John Cena. I'm pretty sure. Who, um, John Cena's a Rays fan? Cause, yes, because he lives in that area in Orlando. So he goes to a lot of Rays games. But yes, he is. If you look up John Cena Rays, I, I guarantee you'll see a lot of pictures oh, I didn't know in uh, a Rays jersey. Uh, yeah, so all kinds of great Rays facts on this podcast. Um, who do you think is traded first? Um, Archer or Keimer? Uh, Archer. Oh, interesting. I would go the reverse. I don't um, know. Kevin Keimer's like, his comments, outfield. that dude is pissed off. That dude wants oh, out. No, he is. I, I don't. Yeah, I just feel like, do you want that in your clubhouse for the next six months? Especially because we know this team's going to be terrible when you look at the AL East and their schedule and everything else. Like, I could see Archer being okay. Like, well, when you're a starting pitcher on a bad team, you're well, a good Archer's one. Well, Archer's pissed, too. Yeah. And my thing is that the outfield <sighs> market is so... It was very much addressed this winter between the Marlins trade and the, and the free agency. Um, and there's yeah. always a market for pitching, especially for guys like Archer. There's always... That's true. A demand for pension. I guess it just depends on like if the Rays like we if they're going to adjust what they're willing to accept for Archer. And I, I don't know people. If there, will, there, there will there will be a deal at some point. I, I would be surprised if he's still there on August first. Okay, there you go. Nick Stellini making big predictions right now. Um, Eric Hosmer finally a Padre after. Weeks and weeks and weeks of speculation as to whether or not the Padres were going to end up with Eric Hosmer. They got their veteran leader. They got their guy who Danny Duffy is quoted saying he is the best teammate he has ever had. Huh. The the veteran real the veteran like leadership thing with Hosmer, it seems real. Like we joke about it because like we really don't know what impact that actually has on the field but you just he said this week that he's embracing the leadership role with the Padres and everything else like I don't know if it's going to make a big difference but it does seem like he's like the best clubhouse guy that I've seen in some time like just so many guys love him and like the Ned Yost and Eric Hosmer text messages back and forth is a little interesting like I don't know the Hosmer stuff he just seems like the best teammate in the world no, I, I actually do like this deal for the Padres. I, I do. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Why? I mean, we can dispute Hosmer's on-field value for a while. I mean, he, I mean if you look at just mm-hmm. these year-to-year fluctuations, it's wild. Um, I do think that defensive metrics probably undervalue first-base defense, and Hosmer just through eye test and player feedback and coach feedback is roundly regarded as one of the best first-base defenders in the, in the world. And I think that even if the metrics don't say that, I think that the metrics are more prone to error than what people who are in the game will tell us about the game. I think we should listen more to players and their input on this sort of stuff. Um, I think that Hosmer, I mean, he should still, I mean, let's say that the, because he did have a big, big season in 2017. It is best offensive season. Um, and so let's say that that is what Eric Hosmer is moving forward. Um, he should still be in his prime when, I mean, they're going to start coming up this year, but the the Padres have an incredible farm system. They're going to start servicing this year. Um, and, 
I mean, I, I, I see the talent of Jason Worth contract where the Nats signed Jason Worth to a big deal probably a couple of years before they were like really ready to go. Um, but it made sense because they, they, they wanted him there as a leading figure for when all the kids got there and they started kicking ass. And, 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 and it's hard to say that, that that didn't work. The Nats were a really good team with Jason Worth. Um, so I, I, I kind of see it that way. Um, he's still, he's young, so he should be good for a while. Um, and they want a guy there who's going to show the, the kids how to play doll at the big league level. And um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and if they got him to buy in, um, then good for them. And then good for Hosmer for getting paid. And the Padres have the number three farm system in baseball right now. There's been a lot of jokes about the Padres, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they will not go back to the brown uniforms, which they very much should be doing, yes. and get away from this very generic navy blue and white scheme. But Keith Law kind of panned the signing and saying they spent too much on him. I mean, his deal is eight years, $144 million, and they have this great farm system right behind him coming up. So I think that's like the missed topic when talking about the Padres is the fact that they actually do have a really good farm system right now. They have an incredibly good farm system. Yeah. And I I don't know how much signing Hosmer inhibits that, but like you said, maybe it's a positive of just having someone like Hosmer around to help usher in the new guys as they come in. And uh, it also moves Will Myers back to the outfield and, um, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, they the Padres also reacquired Chase Headley. They signed Freddie Galvis. Like, is there any possibility this Padres team surprises this year? No. The West is too strong. <laughs> still last in the NL West. Yes, they're still last in the NL West, but they won't be an embarrassment. Can I say I don't think they're going to be last in the NL West. I think last in the NL West is going to be ready. The San Francisco Giants. Uh, I can see that. I just think they they've loaded up too much, and they're going to be healthier. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, don't know, I, I love I don't know what that the I Giants have done. Like a playoff team, but I think they're like a legit, yeah. respectable team. I just think one of one of the three, the big three, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, or the Giants, are going to implode and have a disastrous season. One of the three will, and I just feel like the Giants make the most sense to me of having a disastrous year. I mean, the Rockies the haven't added any to their offense yet so like i said anything that's them. true yeah like, like their, their offense out, outside of arenado is like low-key not great <laughs> so maybe it's the rockies maybe they're the ones who fall back to last place but i don't think the padres finish last in the nls that's my main point so i guess that's progress i mean hey that'd we'll be see. fun uh, yeah there you go um last thing before we need to go jake arietta potentially going to the philadelphia phillies um is this just this was my first thought when I've just read about this and Arietta's fit and I like Arietta a lot and you know there was that report after you Darvish signed with the Cubs that Arietta was like asking or Boris was asking for more for Arietta and the Cubs ended up getting Darvish for less than what the expectation was for Arietta. Um, he went fourteen and ten with a three point five three ERA and thirty starts in twenty seventeen. Like it was he's not the Cy Young winner he was a couple years ago. But my first thought was are the Philadelphia Phillies just trying to fuck over the Nationals by getting Arietta, like just signing him to a massive deal for like one or two years just to keep him away from the Nationals? Is is that outlandish or could that be no. one of their motives? I, I, I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I think the Phillies are, 
You want to talk about a sleeper team for this year? The Phillies are very interesting. Um, are they? Yeah. Why are the Phillies interesting? Um, okay, so Aaron Nola is very good at baseball. Um, might be the most underrated pitcher in baseball right now. Um, and I kind of like the guys they've got behind. I, I, I've always been an Eikhoff guy. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Bruce Hoskins is very good. Um, I like the Santana fanning. I don't know how I feel about Hoskins in left field. That might be a bit of an adventure, but if he's still hitting, it works. Um, Odubel Herrera is way more fun and good than people give him credit for. Um, uh, we finally got a full season of Jorge Alfaro behind the plate. So basically, yeah, the way Carlos I, Santana now. Yeah, and, and I, I like Aaron Altair a lot. Um, so basically, like it really depends on Alfaro and JP Crawford hitting, um, because if Crawford's got an incredible ceiling, um, it should be an all-world defender, and if he can hit, it's going to be great. Um, so basically, if Alfaro and Crawford are hitting, and you've got Hoskins still hitting, you got Santana, you got Odubel Herrera, Cesar Hernandez is very underrated. Um, if Altair hits a bit, um, all of a sudden you get a very interesting team. And so you put Jake there. You say in there, interesting. Right? What, qual- what? What do you mean by interesting? Like sneaky good. Um, like that. If he, mm-hmm. if all the if those guys are hitting, that's a very respectable offense. So you look at that. You've got Aaron Nola. Um, I think Jared Eikhoff is a respectable three or four. Um, I think Vince Velasquez might be a reliever at this point, just based on health. But if he's pitching and pitching well, then you know we see what Vince Velasquez can do. So you put. And they've re-signed Pat Meshack. They've made a little bit of upgrades to that bullpen. Um, so you put Jake Arrieta in that rotation, all of a sudden you got something going there. But so between that and how weak the NL East should be, I don't know if they're a wild card team with Jake Arrieta, but they're sure going to be trying playing spoiler if nothing else. Hmm. That's interesting. I, and I so they really would have Arrieta for like the next couple of years at least. So... It's not what we think. I think part of the deal with Arietta in Philadelphia is that he would sign a very short-term deal, like one well, or two I, I, years. He would probably still just... get at least three or four, I would think. You think so? He would sign up for that much with the Phillies? Why not? They're on the rise. Well, I think the reason that he would go to the soon. Phillies... Well, well, okay, so the, there's two things. One, I want to read this quote to you from Boris um, describing his client, Jake Arietta, when people have criticized Arietta's 2017. He said... And um, analytical evaluation is incomplete. It needs to include prestige, the human element, a leadership dynamic. It also needs to include postseason performance. Analytics are void of that. Take that, analytics. I mean, he can <laughs> sort of calibrate stuff to include the postseason, but he's not wrong. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I really do think that. It, that I would love the Phillies to get take Arietta. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. You'd rather him go there than the Nationals. I mean, from a purely aesthetic perspective, yeah, just to make the things more fun. Yeah. Mm. I guess my whole thing is like we just know who the top like eight teams are going into this year, and I just would rather see the Nationals beef up their rotation with Jake Arietta and just having right, that potential uh, rematch fun. of the Cubs and nationals postseason rematch of from this past year i would love to see that with Arietta involved i want more teams to be fun okay 
That's fair. Um, and also, we should note that Andy McPhail has a history with Arietta because he comes from the Baltimore Orioles, who drafted Jake Arietta, and he was with the Orioles from 2007-2011, and Arietta pitched there from 2010 to 2013. They also kind of um, screwed him there, so... That's true, but I, apparently, like McPhail liked him, so I guess McPhail wasn't like a a person involved with that. Um, but he uh, made fifteen point six million last year, so I, I I don't know. I think he's gonna be looking for a lot per year. It would be my guess. The Phillies and, aren't. Uh, we'll poor. see. Say it again. The Phillies aren't poor. <laughs> That's true. The Phillies, they have a the lot of rebuild money. has been just low key a dumpster fire, and they just haven't gotten a lot of crap for what's happened the last five years post Ramirez Jr. But yeah, um, we'll see. We'll I mean, see what the they Phillies do. They're getting good very soon. I, I really like their future. Okay, I'm not there, but it it, it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, Nick Scalini, Nick Stellini, I appreciate you taking the time. We. We got to run, but uh, we can follow you on Twitter at Stellini Tweets. We can read you at Sporting News. We can uh, also find you on Beyond the Box Store, where you are an editor. Uh, Nick and Baseball Prospectus. I'm weekend, in so. the book this year. Actually. And Baseball Prospectus. Yes. Say it again. Yeah, buy the book. I'm in the book. Are you in the book? Which chat? The Yankees? Uh, no, I did the Diamondbacks comments. Oh, <laughs> positive or negative? That's the that's the sell. I mean, it depends on the player, but yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Get the BP annual. It's great. I get it every year. I have it right now, actually, but I have not dived into it yet. So anyway, thank you so much, Nick, and uh, we will talk soon, sir. All right, see you. All right, thanks, Nick. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, Thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.